Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Philip Humu. How are you, Philip? I'm delighted to be with you, Shahid, today. Thank you so much. This honor is all mine, my friend. And I'm glad that you took time out of your busy schedule to be here today with us. Excited to learn more about everything that you do. Um, if you don't mind kind of taking the stage and introducing exactly what you do, please, and we'll take it from there. Sure. Uh, I created a new company. I mean, new because I had some in the past. So I'm a, what, what's called a repeat entrepreneur. And uh, this new company is about crowdsourcing cybersecurity, the cybersecurity for globally on a world scale. A bit not unlike Waze, if you want, but replace road hazards with uh, dangerous IP addresses. And you have something similar to what we're doing. Oh, can, can you explain that part again? Sure. So to be more accurate, when we have, uh, we, we edit a software, it's open source and free. Everybody and anybody can use it. And uh, it's protecting your machines, the machines that are exposed over the internet. And potentially those oh. machines are, are going to receive a lot of attention and not always a good one, if you see what I mean. And um, yeah. we, we think that on average, a machine over the internet is scanned for vulnerabilities around 2,000 times a day. Uh, so those are cyber criminals that are trying to break in, right? So we block those attacks, but instead of just blocking them and stopping them, we share the IP addresses that have been aggressive toward your machine with the community, a bit like a internet neighborhood oh, watch, wow. if you want, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm taking a, a parallel with uh, Waze. That's pretty cool. So right now, if I want to get firewall protection, I would have to sign up with some uh, specific company, pay monthly or setup fee. Um, with you is that probably the same thing, but it's open source, meaning I don't have to pay every month. Is that correct? Or is, is, there, a lot, is there an upfront fee for it? No, absolutely none. Actually, uh, the point of using open source uh, and a free model is like, like in the case of Waze. Think about Waze. If it would be costing back in the days... $10, nobody would have used it, right? It would have been an awful failure. But the fact that it was free in the first place made the adoption super easy. So the first friction to adoption is money. So we want it to be free for the largest amount of people on earth. And the point for that is that our value doesn't come from the software, the open source software. It comes from the strength of the network. So the more the merrier, the more people using the, the network, the more the efficient better. it becomes. Yeah. And, and this is where we make money is like, the people that are not partaking in the network wants to use the data that are coming out of the network. If I take the Waze parallel once again, eventually a government will be very interested in collaborating with Waze to know when there are traffic jams on its highways and eventually upgrade the highway infrastructure in the country, right? So they are not directly using Waze. What they want is the data from Waze. And seeing exactly the same for us. Maybe, say, JP Morgan doesn't want to use the software or cannot for whatever reason, but on the other end, they want to use the data that is coming out from this huge worldwide network of uh, internet vigilance. Wow. But these, 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 you know, criminals, cyber criminals, um, they're, they're very um, intelligent, like what they're doing, right? So 
don't they use like fake IP addresses and stuff like that? They're not going to use their own home's IP address, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they don't want to be disturbed by the FBI in the morning at four a.m. Yeah. because we all know cyber criminals yeah. <laughs> are not from the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. They're not chickens. No. So more seriously, uh, what they do is. We fight on this precise front because there is an infinite number of domain names. If you think about it, you can take domain name one, two, three, four, five, and add as many digits as you want, and you will get an infinite, num- infinite number of domain names, right? There is an infinite number of signature of malwares because you just have to change one byte in the code, and then the hash, the signature of the malware changes as well. So the only thing that is not an infinite number is actually the number of IP addresses in the world. It's a large number, but it's still a finite number, which is important, right? So this is the first part. We fight against a resource that can be put in scarcity. Okay, we think economically speaking here. Since uh, it's a podcast about entrepreneurship, I'm pretty sure the, the audience will understand the concept of fighting where it hurts on the, on the money front, right? On the scarce resources. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. They actually change IP addresses pretty often. That's why we need a big network, because then we can add IP addresses and remove IP addresses extremely fast from the block list. And why the previous attempt failed before us is because the network was not big enough. So the network effect was not kicking in, and we didn't have this extremely dynamic system. So from what we see right now, around 12% of IP addresses rotate every week. So on on a given week, 12% 12% of the IP addresses that, that are used by the bad guys will be changed by new addresses. The goal of CrowdSec is not only to add those 12 new percent, but also to remove as, as fast as possible the 12 old percent. So that way, we are in a kind of a real-time scenario where we cannot trigger a false positive, meaning blocking someone that is legitimate, and on the other end, are extremely reactive against the newly used IP addresses. It's like that's your term that you use is a correct term, right? It's dynamic. It's, yes. it's in real time dynamic. Yes. Yes. How many yeah. users do you have? Ah, uh, it's an extremely complicated question. I can tell you uh, how approximately. Many, uh, yeah, even approximately is complicated. Let, let me give you an example for that. And and that's one of the problem. Eventually, we can talk business wise because I had to raise funds lately, and the, the VCs were like, "How many users do you have?" I'm like, "I don't know." And borderline, I don't care. And this is because uh, one user can install one server or a thousand server or a million server, and it's still a user. I am I am myself using my own product at home, and I only defend one machine. Now we have Google uh, Cloud administrators that are using it on thousands of machines, and they are still one user. So a user is not a good unit of count. So what the next question usually I have is like, how many machines? And terrifying as it is, I don't know. <laughs> as it's because CrowdSec is often used not to protect only one machine, but several others. Like if you're a hosting company. A network. Yeah. You usually use one instance of CrowdSec to protect machines and to protect 200 machines. So potentially behind one installation, I have 200 machines. And I have no way to know it because it's okay, open source. Okay, understood. And we don't track our users. It's a principle of open source that you okay. don't track users. You let them interact with you if you want, but you're not yeah. supposed to tell, oh, this guy is going from New York to Boston or whatever. It's, it's absolutely unacceptable. So what we know, yeah. though, is the number of user of uh, installations we have, which is above 100,000 in two years, roughly. So there was really a need. And mainly, and this is our North Star KPI, like it's called in, in the VC uh, language, our North Star KPI is the number of threat 
received per day. The number of violations, the number of aggression, the network mm-hmm. is registering per day. And right now, as we speak, it's hovering around, uh, I think it's 10 millions. Let me check. Wow. But I think it's around 10 millions. Yeah. That's, in, that's a huge oh, number. Sorry, sorry. It's 20 millions. Excuse me. My bad. 20 it's 20 million. millions. So we receive 20 million violations daily. Yeah. And the, your system is able to to dynamically uh, take care of those in a day. Yes, yes, because uh, contrary to previous kind of infrastructure that were, that were used in the space, we used to have those names for the servers, right? You remember when you worked in the company and the server was named Xenon or Helios yeah. or whatever, right? It, it had a name. This is the approach that we call uh, pet. A pet has a name. Cattle, they don't have a name. They have a number at best, right? Like cows in the field. So it's an approach in IT that we call pet versus cattle. Pet is something you know, the service is Xenon, Helios, or whatever, is one server that is rendering a specific service and you know it and you maintain it over time and so on. The modern infrastructure, though, we use cattle. We don't care what it is. We spawn the machine out of the blue, we use it for as long as we need, and we release it, as simple as it is. And if we need more of them, we spawn more of them. So this is, uh, this is for example, how Google is constructed. Right? It's relying on containers and it spawns more containers when there is a spike in usage, like for example, Gmail, every morning, 8 a.m., US go to work, tons of people connecting, tons of machines spawning. And then, you know, during lunch, nobody reads emails, right? So the load is probably like one third of what it is in the morning. So then you just drop two thirds of your cattle and then you regenerate them whenever you need. So it's exactly the kind of infrastructure we are right, relying on, sorry. On demand. Mm. On demand. And to set this up, for example, if someone sets it up on the server and they have 200 machines, do they have to set up something on individual machines as well or the servers enough? Well, it's, it all depends on how the architecture is done. As we just exposed, there are different ways of doing it, different generation of infra- infrastructure, different type of clients that have different constraints. So what we wanted to do is give them the opportunity to, to deal with it in the way they Open usually source. do. Yeah, there's no constraints mm. here. So if you have no 160,000 servers and you want to have one instance per server, one CrowdSec per server, no problem, you can do it. But most of times, people have what we call a lock pit. So everything is falling in the same big pit and we read from the lock pit directly and not individually from each machine. Now, again, it all depends on how you, do, you did your work. So is this something that an individual can use and also a business person or a corporation or IT person? Like anyone can go in and, and, and set this up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to be honest, usually people at home don't do this for a simple reason is that they have their uh, ISP box and the ISP is providing some kind of firewalling, right, at your home. So if you have a fiber connection, this little box that has been provided for you is taking care of your basic security needs. And usually it's doing decent work at it. So uh, I cannot tell that there is a high incentive of using it at home, Got it. except if your home network is a bit more savvy, smarter, or complex than the average Joe. Now, on yep. the other end, as soon as you're online, and whatever you're using, it, whether it's a WordPress website, a Magento transactional site, uh, if it's a router, or if it's uh, uh, any kind of infrastructure that is exposing uh, credentials or, or can accept credit cards, or, you know, you will be scanned, you will be aggressed. Some people will try to guess your passwords on the VPN, on the mail, and so on. 
So CrowdSec is here to take care of that uh, silently, constantly, with an extremely low footprint in memory and CPU, so they can use it without thinking about it. It's extremely low maintenance. And that's the point of it. Like, we want security to be as simple as it can be. Because, you know, just a minute ago, I had someone registering from a hospital in France, right? So the guys are, we know they are dealing with healthcare and they have already hard time and they have not enough budget and stuff like that. No, you're welcome. And, and uh, the thing is, we don't want them to, to be charged whatever. Uh, and we don't want them to spend time on their IT infrastructure. So they just have to deploy it and we'll... Uh, put them in a group which regroups all the hospitals and healthcare institutes in the world. And we'll tell them, like, eventually this IP address is aggressing toward other hospitals. So you should protect yourself proactively against it because it's going to go after you very likely. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to VPNs, like a lot of people use VPNs, you know, forgive me if uh, it's, a, it's a dumb question, but is there... By using this open source firewall and VPN is also some sort of a protection, right? Or is it VPN is just hiding your uh, IP address? That's it. It's not doing any firewall protection. Yeah. So there are two ways of using VPNs nowadays. The first one would be you connecting to your corporation. So it's to protect your connection. So you, you go in a whatever cafe, you connect to the VPN and you end up being into uh, the usual land where you can work and, and enjoy the usual services that you need uh, to work. This is a classical pro usage of a VPN. And on the other end of the spectrum, there is like the personal VPN that people are using mostly to hide their uh, IP addresses when they are downloading or doing stuff or want to evade geo constraints or whatever from the country. So the second uh, kind of VPN are, called, are kind of public VPNs that you can you know, rent for two, three, four, five bucks a month. And um, this is what the uh, cyber criminals are using usually. Uh, and they are not uh, brute forcing credentials on those. They are just, you know, taking a, a subscription, using it as long as it's not fried. And when it's fried, when the IP is fried, they change uh, the endpoint. Now, what they are doing, though, is scanning the professional VPN endpoints. So where you are connecting with your corporation and try to guess your password. This is a classical way in. Uh, and also now we Through see... Through VPN. Uh, yeah, through VPN, yeah. So say, for example, wow. they, they guess your login and password because it was not strong enough. Then they can connect to uh, your whatever pharmaceutical company, uh, corporate network. And the problem starts for the uh, means and the, the SecOps. Another thing that we see a lot, and it's even more scary if you ask me, is now, let's say we are in the safest corporation in the world. You no, know, one of those that have like billions to spend in this. And there are some. And they are so tightly secured that there is close to no way in and no way you will not ring a bell. It's still, this corporation is still at risk. And you know what the risk is? Is that I'm coming to an employee and I'm telling you, okay, I'll give you two Bitcoins against your laptop or if you click on that link or if you give me your legitimate credentials on the VPN, your login and password. What do you say about it, right? So you don't tell the IT services for 24 hours. And in 24 hours from now, you tell that your laptop was stolen. We have a deal. And if we have a deal, you report your laptop stolen. You just toss it in the, the nearby river. And please don't do that because it's it's really bad for environment. So let's just toss it in the, in the next junkyard, right? 
and the cyber criminals will be using the legitimate credential to connect to your pharmaceutical company. And how does the blue team, the guys defending the system, is fighting against this? It's extremely hard to fight against legitimate usage or credential, actually, in a, in a very tightly secured system. This is the kind of threat we're facing now, because, you know, we've made ransomware an industry. Like, literally, there are negotiators, there are insurances, there are people doing software against it, there are cyber criminals. It's, become, it's becoming the new normal, actually. The industry made it the new normal because there was so much money on the table, like, let's face it. So what the cyber criminals are doing now is like, look, look, this pharmaceutical company is doing that much turnover. Their insurance against cyber uh, ransomware is around 10% or 5% of the global turnover over a year, right? So we know mm. they can pay up to 20 million. We're going to ask for 10 million and it will be negotiated at five. Fine. I can offer someone from this company 100,000, 200,000. I'm going to make 5 million out of it. What's the problem? It's just an investment. I'm wow. sorry. I'm ruining the day, right? <laughs> no, I know. No, like, Mr. Negative. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you're great. You're good. No, no, you, you need to tell us these things, right? Like yeah, you're the expert. You created this product and, you know, it's scary stuff. Yeah. And sometimes when things, things are good for us, um, we kind of don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, for example, something that can help us. Like for, for me, like I talk about mindset stuff, right? So with mindset stuff, people don't think about it. Like, Hey, it's, it's my mindset is great. You know, like I would rather put more effort on the strategies. I don't need to work on myself. Same way in the IT world, you know, they have everything set up. They have their, you know, whatever firewall, whatever they have set up a VPN. They feel this is good. I don't need to do any more. You know, like it's the, sometimes they kind of, uh, we, we just don't want to get into that, that rabbit hole. Right. So, um, but you made it simplified for people with this, with this product because, you know, it's open source. Yeah. It's free. And, and that's something. That and it's can, free. Yeah. And you can actually, it's working on the behavior. The problem with vulnerabilities is like, you don't know all of them. Right. You don't know you're vulnerable until someone exploits it or until it's made public that this software is vulnerable. We work on the behavior, which is entirely different because sometimes even behavior are not a, a vulnerability. Let me give you an example for that. Scalping. Scalping is the action of buying, for example, PlayStation 5 that are in, in, on shortage at Walmart using a boat, a script, right? A, a piece of software and reselling it uh, on eBay right away. For a profit, so basically oh, really? you snatch, yeah, yeah, you snatch a product as fast as you can from the providing website, and you resell it for a profit as fast as you can on eBay. Now, get this: it went so far that the guys are on the one end preparing the eBay uh, uh, announce so that it's put uh, uh, on Craigslist or whatever right away when it's available. They do snatch the product on Walmart or Best Buy, and instead of putting their coordinates, they put the coordinate of the buyer that direct, they directly have from eBay directly to the web shop. So basically what they are doing out is drop shipping, right? They just take the money. So now if we think about it, it's not illegal as such. You're probably violating the use case, whatever of the website and the conditions and stuff, but nobody's gonna sue you, let's be honest with this, right? But it's a nefarious behavior. Like Walmart doesn't want that, 
Sony doesn't want that. And definitely the client that want to buy a PlayStation 5 doesn't want that either. So you can block this behavior because it's a bad behavior. Now, let's be back to the example I gave you before. Someone who sold this credential to a legitimate uh, network to cyber criminals, right? How you can do this is like, for example, it happened to Okta. It happened to Samsung. It happened to happened to Microsoft lately. So not small companies, right? But in the case of Microsoft or others, they were using uh, maintenance access. And those guys were not connecting from the proper place. Let's say they were expecting them from Ireland, maybe, and the guy were coming from Austria. Well, this is a different behavior. OK, the login and password are, are, are OK. Uh, they are valid. But the behavior is wrong. The guy should be connecting from Ireland, not from Austria. So you can raise a, a red flag here. So looking for the vulnerability, you miss the point. The point is not the vulnerability, not always it can be, but it's not always a vulnerability. The point is, what is the behavior that this IP address is, is having with my system? And are they legal, right? Mm. So I guess the best way for businesses to protect their IT assets is using this open source um, a, a firewall program, correct? Yeah, yeah. Because when they start using it, they already benefit from the whole crowd findings constantly, day in, day out, in real time. And they are themselves reinforcing the network by partaking yeah. into it. They're part so, of it. Yeah, they're part of it. And uh, we are looking to breach in some verticals specifically, so that they can start defend themselves as a herd. Like I was telling you about like this healthcare vertical, where too few people using the software in this. So maybe, I don't know, 10,000 machines or 5,000 machines or even 50, I don't know, in the world, not enough to have strong signals. Now, the more people jumping into the product and using it for free, the better the hospitals will be defended and the next door clinic and the, the healthcare, the dentist or whatever. So this is cool. It's, it's open source and free. And the benefit we get out of it is that we can sell those signals to all people buying those signals in the world, like the, the massive list, the organization that, that just want to protect themselves but do not want to share anything. So yeah, it's a different business model. And it's, that's why also it's cool to discuss about it because it's very unusual. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's not unique. Yeah, it's kind of unique and very few yeah. people are building models where they are, um, well, they found a monetization angle on, um, on an open source software that is both fair to the community and acceptable by the VCs. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, we all feed, you know, our families and those guys yeah. are costing a lot. I mean, they are experts in their field, the guy developing this software, obviously. So they can yeah. earn like a hundred grand or 200 grand, uh, in any company, uh, anywhere in the globe. Globes. So they need to be paid properly. And in order to do so, until we get enough money from the clients, we need to bootstrap, or not bootstrap actually, but we need to finance the company with VC money. So I have to tell them, okay, guys, we have a business model that is robust, uh, uh, credible, and now we work. And they say, okay, what are you selling? Well, I'm selling the strongest and the best ever real-time map of IPs controlled by cyber criminals, cyber criminals control asset over the internet. Uh -huh. And this is of an extreme value, if you think about it, because most of the value we're generating in Western countries are related in a way or another to digital world. So, you know, there's a lot of 
um, cybersecurity companies out there, right? Like they uh, approach a company and they say, you know, a certain amount of retainer or upfront as a project. How is this, what you have here, going to affect their businesses? Well, you know, in a way, I'm more worried by closed source, as we call it, as, op- as opposed to open source uh, product than for open source product. Uh, I can explain this like we're on Mars, for God's sake. Sometimes I'm asked, like, where is the limit to open source? What is the limit? I mean, rovers on Mars are running open source code. Where do you want to go? Andromeda? I mean, we already are everywhere. It's powering the global internet. Like 90 Mm -hmm. or 80% of the surface of internet is powered by open source. I'm more Mm -hmm. worried for closed source. Now, as to my business model, I'm not the enemy of anyone. I mean, I'm not producing, for example, hardware. Like you need an appliance, a a physical firewall to deal with high uh, velocity flux that are transiting through in and out on your network. And I'm not providing this kind of hardware. I'm making this hardware smarter by instructing it to block and release faster IP addresses that I deem dangerous with my network. So it's maybe smart, half smart, or totally dumb, but we can make it very, very smart in real time using this technology. So I'm not opposing anyone. And also, often enough, large companies need integrators saying, okay, guys, my project is like this. I know CrowdSec is able to do that. Can you write the scenarios and the configuration and integrate it for me? So they'll still use it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, they will. Still, they will. I mean, for good. example, if you have a Cisco, keep your Cisco. It's an extremely good machine. There's no problem. Or Palo yeah. Alto or whatever. And what we yeah. will do is make your Palo Alto smarter. That's all. Oh, that's cool. So tell me, you know, you, you, you went through a, a, a few ventures and you exited, and this is the newest one. You have a very unique way of looking at things. Now, can you share with me what do you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point? It's funny. I've been asked by my uh, my coach. You know, I have a coach to uh, to discuss things and you know exchange, and uh, he's both a friend and and someone that knows you inside out. He knows when you're in a danger zone for yourself yeah. and things like this. And at some point, he asked me the most complicated question I had to answer to him was like, "What is driving you? Why are you doing this?" Which is very similar to the question you're asking. And uh, the only answer I could come by, come up with is like, because I can. And some others were not given the opportunity, the education, or the luck to be able to do this. So it's a strong driver. I wouldn't know exactly where it fits on, on the map, but I know that I can uh, get people to believe in this dream before it, it actually was a reality in this vision. Painting Tell them, a Guys, picture painting a picture, make them sure that they will follow me and that we will not go in the ditch or that we have serious chances not to go in the ditch. Um, and that, um, you know, I can do this. I can pull this off. And uh, I had a, I have a CTO. The guy is extremely smart and good at what he does. So I was secured on the left side. I have a COO that is in charge of the quality, the delivery, the regularity of the thing. And yeah. so it makes me strong on both sides. And when I'm like this, I'm very good at driving everyone forward, saying, okay, this is a vision. This is where we should land. This is why the way we do it is the only unique way where we can achieve a meaningful victory against cyber criminality in the world. And Perfect. given Love enough it. time, the VCs tend to trust me as well. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? 
I, I said, given enough time, VCs tend to trust me as well, which is the most important, yeah. uh, you know, to finance the company. Yeah, well, you know, you shared a great superpower, uh, being able to paint a picture and aligning people that are showing interest or explaining to them what you do. It is a talent, you know, sometimes people have wonderful ideas and they just are unable to bring them in at the same level where they are, especially when they created it, you know, to, yeah. to come up with that image and then give that image over, pass it over. It is, it is wonderful. It's good. Um, the team, the team I, needs it also, you know, the teams are super motivated by a vision, they embrace it, they understand it. Yeah. And then. Once they are behind it, it's it's a wolf pack. It's super solid glue in between everyone, and uh, that's yeah. why the vision is is totally core, and it has to be carried and and cherished and shared across the the team so that it grows, you know, beyond us. Because this product will be beyond us for thirty years. Yes, yeah, it'll it'll surpass you. You know, it will just go on forever, um, and helping people. Um, it was wonderful having you here, Philip, and, and discussing all this. Um, do you have any final uh, recommendations, suggestions, advice for the audience? Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, on the business front, I've been so complicated moments when I sold my previous venture and, uh, you know, trials and stuff. It didn't fold the way I wanted and I won the trial in the end, but it lasted for five years. I could not recreate a company. I was kind of a pre in a prison cell in, in some ways, you know. And what I would tell you is like it gave me time. It gave me time to think. It gave me time to make the concept as sleek as possible. And everything, when I could start finally this new company, was already thought through and clean and proper. So never think you are wasting time in this. You're just taking time to make it a success. Because what Beautiful. we achieved in two years, actually, we achieved in reality in seven but just five years were just thinking before and two years were execution. You can fail in execution, but you often fail before that. Great. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate you, Philip. You know, what you're doing is, is quite ethical. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a caring type of service, what you're providing. You know, people will start thinking monetization, all these things. You leaving it open source and completely free, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great for people and businesses and especially getting back at these criminals, you know. I, I, I w got out of agreements with people. You know, I have situations where um, a, a partner in a past venture, he wanted me to go against an NDA. I, I broke it off, you know, like I, I just don't want to be around anything that's garbage. You know what I mean? And you are going against that garbage. Um, and I'm sorry if, if I'm saying it in a rude way, but I do feel that if they're taking advantage of other human beings, what else can you call them? Yeah, no, they are. And this is why when you fight against an army, you need a bigger army. And as a matter of fact, we outnumber them 10,000 to one. The only thing we need is a tool to leverage this uh, unfair strength we have against them. Yes. Yeah. No, great, Philip. Thank you. And audience, thank you again for participating or joining our episode today. You heard Philip. You see what he's doing. Remember, if he can do it, you can do it. If you have some kind of idea burning, just start doing it. Just like he said, just get out there and, 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 and take the steps. You know, if, if something is burning inside you, 
you you need to do something. You're here for a purpose, you know, and he's found his purpose and he's making sure that his purpose is coming out in the world. And uh, if you guys, you know, need to get in touch with Philip, all his information, like usual, are in the show notes. Uh, get in touch with him. And I appreciate you continue to engage with our content, share the episodes. We love it when you guys are sharing with friends and family. And without you guys, you know, we wouldn't be seeing the growth we're seeing for Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. So I, I really genuinely want to say thank you. And Philip, thank you again for, for coming on our show. Thank you, Shade. Thank you.